The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Here in Seattle, Ethan. Good afternoon. Hey Ken, how's it going today? Good, good. I was a little mixed up on the on the starting queue there, but uh, I think I'm back on track, and uh, we're good to go. This right. show is designed to share with you insights on uh, how to become a better investor and uh, engage in prudent financial planning techniques, the combination of which we call wealth management, that will help you achieve your goals, your financial goals over your lifetime. Ethan, if you want to give out uh, our contact information, maybe tell uh, tell the listeners what we're up to. Yeah, sure. And we'll get into today's topics. This show is live today, so if you have a, a question oh, while we're on the air, uh, by all means, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Our number here on the studio directly is 866-472-5790. Uh, and, of course, if you're, you're shy, you can always email us as well. Uh, and that is at contact at empiradio.com. And we'd love to... Read your question on the air, and, and uh, Ken and I will discuss it. And uh, uh, very nice of you to do that. And also, if you do, I'd be happy to send you one of my favorite uh, investing books as well. So that is a sort of a standing offer. Uh, and I, I'd love to, frankly, put a put a book in the mail today. So give me a call. Give us a buzz. <laughs> All right. And uh, if you're an investor out there as well, if you'd like to, um, if you need some help with your investments or financial planning needs, by all means, um, and this still stands as well. We'd love to to walk you through a bit of our, our financial planning process and help you um, develop a plan that's customized to fit your needs. So by all means, give us a... Hey, is that... Do have a call? Oh, I see. Those are some nice sound effects. Thanks, Ken. You're fooling me. <laughs> uh, and also, if you're a professional investor out there, rather a professional advisor out there, and perhaps you've recently started your own company or um, you're maybe an independent registered investment advisor and you're thinking about, hey, maybe I should maybe merge my company with another company, maybe even something more more established, uh, like Empirical Wealth Management. We'd love to hear from you as well. We have a, a very great program, a lot of great infrastructure to help you run your business, and that way you can spend more time focusing on your clients. Uh, again, our number, 866-472-5790. Um, that's to the, uh, the hotline for the radio program. If you'd like to reach us off the air and talk to Ken or myself, Please give us a call at um, 206-923-3474. I'm, I'm just going to keep trying, trugging along here while Ken's uh, doing the uh, the sound effect wheel. You have to stay focused. Laser beam focus. Okay. Um, so, Ethan, we wanted to today, market's continue to be 
volatile. Indeed. Um, we were doing a little discussion yesterday, and I, I, I think it's worth uh, mentioning because one of the participants had mentioned that hey, we all know the markets are currently more volatile. And what does that mean um, in terms of, I guess, you know, investment strategy or the approach that, that you're taking? Um, and one of the things was we had talked about some of the data that shows uh, historical market volatility and that we don't see significantly uh, more volatile um, volatility, I'm sorry, in the market today. Um, and, I, and, I, and we were saying, well, maybe part of the reason of that is because of, we have such immediate access uh, to market data, whether it's on TV or now on the web everywhere, um, and on our smartphones, right? We all probably have, most of us have finance applications where we can check quotes and stocks. It may give the appearance that markets are volatile because we're checking it a lot more frequently. Then, uh, and that would be supported by the idea that the longer the time period between when you check your portfolio, uh, there tends to, to be less, would be less downside volatility, right? That's true, so yeah. If you were checked it once every 30 years, the chance that you're going to check it and see it significantly down is a lot less than if you check it once a day. That's exactly so right. I think if, um, as investors today, if you think back, Several decades uh, before internet access to stock market data was easily accessible, people really had to wait either call their broker, right, who had a had a access to the market, or they would wait and get it out of the newspaper once a day. Um, and so most of us probably wouldn't check it as frequently because of the barrier there. Yeah, and I seem to remember a time when those Talk prices were available once a once a month once a week. In the paper, you know, they updated the prices of mutual funds, and I think maybe when I was a kid, I remember seeing that yeah. on a weekly basis, so even less frequent than daily. So I would think that our ability to check it and the fact that it's become more prevalent uh, would give us the impression that markets are more volatile than if we didn't check it. And again, that's supported by if we look at distance between intervals of when we check, um, the longer the time frame. You know, if you checked your investments once a year. Uh, you tend to see less volatility than if you checked it once a week or once a month. Um, you check it once every five years and you get, you know, because of the nature, particularly if you have investments that are equities or growth. Right. Um, because the data actually, if we, if we look at it, we don't see on a monthly or quarterly basis a lot more volatility. Now, the other thing I was thinking about, and I'll throw it out, and if you're listening and you have ideas, I'd love to hear what you think be a journey we can all take together here. But uh, maybe it has something to do with the fact that the volatility in the last decade um, has had included some significant downside and that most of us as investors probably discount up volatility. So we don't really think of volatility or markets being more volatile when they are going up. So if you think in the 90s when the stock market was going up, would shooting up in significant spurts and individual stocks that would go up, you know, 10, 20, 30% in a very short period of time. I don't know that I heard a lot of people complaining about the market being a lot more volatile today, although volatility does get measured right. Um, there's some long-term average return that you're using or an average return around uh, a period of time and then the distance in which it travels up and down around that that average return. Right. 
so do you think what do you think Ethan? do you think that could have anything to do with it yeah i mean it's kind of kind of funny I'm, I'm sure that's right that you don't think of it typically as all volatility includes up up upswings and you know we, the stock market typically moves when you when you do see a strong move downward um history shows us that you, there are equal but opposite moves on the positive side at times um as well so i think you're right people discount i and i do too i think uh, uh, discount the upside out on, on it yeah and i think lastly if you get to well what does that mean um and if if markets if equity markets actually were more volatile historically speaking the market adjusts the expected return on investments based around their risk so it could mean that you have a higher expected return for equity for those equity investments yeah right that that could be a potential plus or positive um, where I think it might be counterintuitive. People think, hey, maybe that this isn't a good way to invest, to include equities into my portfolio. So that was just a little something that came up in the discussion yesterday. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh-huh. I think I think that's right. If you have, uh, you, know, you look back to, to March 2009, that was the, the low point of the stock market. Yeah. Um, I think the Dow closed on March 9th around 6,500. Um, if you take a look on that particular day and think of, hey, well, what's the future going to hold here? You know, it looked pretty bleak. If you asked any investor on that particular day how things looked before the market closed, uh, boy, it looked terrible. You know, it, yeah. and it felt terrible. Uh, but at, at that point, though, that was a pivotal point in terms of the, the future returns. And from that point forward, things really got, in terms of stock returns anyway, uh, were significantly positive from that point on, even though it was the maximum, sort of the maximum pain level uh, you might want to, uh, might, might expect to feel, I suppose. Well, certainly as we've evolved and have more experience uh, in markets, I'm learning more and more about um, a very fascinating subject of our human behavior and how we deal with risk. And I definitely believe that traditional methods that work really well when stock markets are going up, the way people were measuring risk, you know, during the and and measure risk during the bull markets. Uh, is is insufficient that advisors like us, and that means you and I, the need to be having more serious conversations up front and ongoing with clients about the real risks that they face. Uh, and if you're an individual investor out there, you need to be having this conversation with yourself. Um, I think it's much better when you have someone who is emotionally unattached uh, to your finances that can guide you through this discussion and help you stay on a logical path to making the best decisions for your investments. But it's it's something that has to be understood because when you make these re- reactionary decisions based on unpredictable market news, um, and it always seems more predictable in hindsight, by the way. For sure, yeah. Um, so it's always easy after the market c- continues begins to go down and continues to go down. To say, hey, I knew this. I should have got out, um, but that's that's a, a, a mental illusion to some extent that your mind plays on you. So by filtering out all the times that you were wrong, right, and really putting in the spotlight in the forefront the one time that you had some piece of intuition and it actually turned out that way. Um, so one of the things is you have to set up systems. I think Ethan to be a successful investor. Biggest value that we as advisors can add, and if you're an advisor out there listening, uh, that you can add to your client situation is keeping them away from making emotional 
risk-based investment decisions. And I think the more upfront and open and different ways that we speak with clients about risk and not just shoving a an impersonal risk tolerance questionnaire in front of them, but as much as that can be a supplemental way of gathering the data, I think further discussion I want to see um, about how they've handled risk and these experiences in the past. I mean, uh, history can be very valuable if we learn from it. You know, how did we react the last time the market went down? And we see these cycles of bubbles and, and mm-hmm. bursts. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the cycles because we don't seem to learn from history. So we've got to take a quick break, Ethan, and we'll come back. I know you want to talk about some uh, big retirement mistakes, I think it was, that, yep. that people make. So we'll, we'll jump in on that when we get back. Sounds good. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm my name is simon Liu, portfolio manager with empirical wealth management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307 that's 1-800-923-4307 or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. 
Going into the break, Ethan, we were chatting about uh, market volatility and um, and how to handle that. But we uh, we're now moving on to talk about um, what do you want to do? The market update. We're going to do a kind of an overview of the broad asset classes, and then yeah, let's roll into that. Um, okay, and then we'll get to uh, some retirement mistakes that people can make, and we want to help our listeners avoid making those kinds of mistakes. Yeah, that sounds fair. If you want to chime in, you have a question, a comment, if you have a personal, um, you're interested in, in kind of a financial retirement checkup, uh, free, totally gratis, Ethan, no strings attached, uh, or you just have a financial question that you're grappling with, email us, contact at empiradio.com. Even if you pull this show off of the archive, um, don't feel like, well, hey, I can't, I can't send my email or, or, or comments in. Do it, and we'll we'll just play it on one of the future shows. So there you have it. Your name, maybe where you're from, and all that kind of stuff. Go ahead, Ethan. Do your magic, and I'll I'll get back to my sound effects. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, I, I I got the jump on you. I was thinking we should go down to the trading floor today. Is that possible to do the market update? Oh, I the trading. Floor. I kind of like the energy when we go down to the downstairs. It is, it is high energy. In the room next door it and is high energy and all that. All right, let's see what I can do my, on that. My main main thing was that hey, it's coming toward the end of the year, and I, I thought we could revisit some of the year to date returns across the major asset groups um, that we that we track. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Hey, we slipped right inside. I didn't even notice you opened the door. Sorry. Oh, I open the door. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think I I, I think I just saw um, Bernie Madoff. Is he out? <laughs> I, I don't think it's him. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, uh, it does look like him though. I see what you're saying. It was a different guy. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. So um, I, I got a shocker for you. I want to see. And this is a test, Ken. Are you ready for this? <laughs> it was shocker. Uh, all right. <laughs> what do you think the highest returning asset class is year to date? I want to see if you, you guess, if you have the right guess. Any, any, oh, uh, and I didn't geez. prep this before the show, so this is totally on the spot. This is live. This is live. Yeah, a I was going to say it was tips because they've been, they were doing well before. Really? Um, yeah. All right. Well, that steals my thunder. Yes, it is tips. But Treasury guess, inflation okay. protects security. It's only security. because you, it was doing well before, within the last oh, update. I see. And I'm just going with the trend. I don't, I don't fight the ticker. All right. Any guess as to how much it is up? Tips and uh, Treasury uh, inflation protected securities. I know we have a pretty good allocation in our fixed income models for our clients. That I know. That's true. But that's not the question. No, the question is, do you have a guess as to what the the return is so far this year in that major? Oh, okay. Um, is it twelve percent? Hey, it's a pretty good guess. It's fourteen point eight two percent. No way. Yeah, through. I was uh, just guessing. It's pretty good. Pretty good guessing. So as of yesterday, fourteen point eight two percent. That's an amazing return for for Treasury inflation protected securities. For a Treasury, uh, right? Day, yeah. Now, does that mean there there there's some risk in those now? I, I think there. Well, there always is risk. That's for sure. Um, you know, the durations are kind of long, but a little longer in maturities, and the prices have gone way up here recently in tips, as you know, for the last several years. So yeah, I would say there there is some risk there in terms of volatility. Yeah, that's that's true. What's it? Do you have the yield? Or you, I, I can look that up while you're continuing on, and then I can jump back in with that. Okay, yeah, I don't have the yield in front of me, so go ahead and look that up. I'll look it up. And so uh, I'll contrast that with the worst performing asset group year to date, and it happens to be uh, again this is through yesterday uh, emerging markets value uh, is, is the worst performer. It's down negative twenty six point eight percent so far this year, which is considerable drop. Um, I, I know the history. Yeah, year to, year to date. Uh, yep. 
You know, the last several years of that fund has been pretty darn good, so I'm not surprised it's cooled off a bit. But relative even to the, the broader market, it's, it's uh, a significant decline. So um, I thought I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up and down from this. I thought I'd visit the, uh, the next highest returning asset class, so we're going to go opposite now. All right. Um, has been. I'm going to go look for uh, the, the highest performing equity asset group now. I'm going to get away from bonds. And I see that right here. Looks like the domestic real estate is up almost 2.5% year-to-date. That's a little surprising to me as well. I, I wouldn't have expected that going into the year that among the equity asset groups, uh, real estate would have led the way. So right, I find that a little right. surprising. And then let's drop back down to the the next worst-performing asset group. Ah, it's no surprise. It's emerging markets as well. Emerging markets small cap down 23%. So emerging markets uh, has taken it on, on the chin this, this year so far. And then looking on here, uh, international small cap down about 20%. Um, it hasn't been a great year for equities across the board, it looks like. Uh, large cap international, so these are companies from de uh, developed nations across the world, down about 15% year to date. And then U.S. small cap value down 11%. Uh, so a lot of things are, are quite quite negative this year so far. And I'm looking now for the U.S. large cap, if I can find that here. Well, yeah. the iShares uh, side, I just pulled up the tip while you're looking at that, Ethan. And, okay. Uh, they show the, the varying yields here, and, and you have to kind of understand what's going on. But the 30-day SEC at 1.65 on their tip, 7- to 10-year tip fund. Um, they actually have shorter maturities. They have a 0 to 5, a 1 to 3. Um, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, zero to five tip bond fund, um, which is pretty cool because you can yeah, sure. target Shorter or term. pinpoint the, uh, you know, the, the maturity that you want. Not a bad idea. I'll, and I'll check the Vanguard's tip. They, they have right. a different way. Go ahead. And I have the U.S. large company. It's probably the among the best equity-performing asset groups year-to-date, down only 1.7%. U.S. large company. Yeah. Wow. Finally. So, <laughs> it has its day. Right? old U.S. of A. <laughs> You know, I, I think we, we saw a little bit of that trend back in uh, 2008, 2009, when all, all equity markets were down, but the, the least down was the U.S. large cap. And I, I kind of think that makes some sense. In a, in a period of time when we're, we're experiencing what is at least a systemic possible threat from Europe, especially now, um, it would make sense to me that the, the least risky of the stocks during that period do the best. Um, so I think there's more risk in emerging markets than there, there, there is in the U.S. large cap space. And, uh, to me, that, that makes makes intuitive sense. And plus, the currencies um, fluctuations have been in, in the U.S. large cap's favor relative to international stocks as well uh, with the year-to-date. Right. All right. So what else you got? I think that's a, a brief recap on the market returns. As you can see, I guess the main one of the points of, from this exercise is to see there's a wide variety of returns for different asset classes out there. And what was the range from the top? Performing to the bottom again? Yeah, well, the top performer again was the tips at uh, about almost 15% positive. Oof, that's and amazing. really is. And then the... That's a good diversifier. On the other extreme, negative 26% for the uh, emerging markets value. So a big disparity, big dispersion of returns. And, you know, if you're placing bets as to which asset class year to year is going to be doing the best, it's pretty tough to get those consistently right. And, you know, we, we own in our portfolios to some degree all the asset classes we just talked about. And I think that's a, a pretty important part, is just being diversified at, at all times. 
Uh, it's one of the messages that we we advocate when we are on, on the air here. So the Vanguard, the way they list out their tip fund, it shows an SEC yield of negative 0.44% right, right. now. Uh, which basically, uh, the way they do it, though, it doesn't include the inflation estimate. Right. So whatever your view of inflation would be over the period that you were holding the maturity uh, would be your would be your real return on that. So you thought we were going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of 4% inflation. Yeah. You'd be getting 3.66, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, same thing with the other, a, non, a non-inflation adjusted bond fund, right? If you have, the, say, the yields 1% currently. Well, that doesn't factor in whatever the expected inflation is going to be, right? So inflation is yeah. 4%, but you're really going to 1%. It's the same type of analysis, right? Yeah. yeah. 0.56, I'm sorry, 3.56. Okay. All right. Well, let's go back well, into that's the... that's pretty uh, groovy, Ethan. Groovy work. You want good. me to step off the exchange here? I think that sounds good. All right. Open up that door. Simon, get the door for us here. I, I'm holding stuff. Okay. Okay. Getting all my pencils and my calculator and erasers. <laughs> Excellent. What else you got, Ethan? Well, I was thinking next week. How we can could, we uh, help people? One thing I think we could talk about, if you don't mind. We had two minutes to, to Wapner here. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty passionate about uh, about retirement. You know, I do a lot okay. of work on that, and I, I help folks make the most of their retirement. Uh, you are a retirement expert in the industry. A mogul, a vanguard. Well, a yeah. titan. Well, those are very kind words. I'm not sure if it's a, a little exaggeration, but oh, okay. certainly I'm very passionate about it. And I know I, I help people do that all the time as a, one of the lead advisors here for Empirical, um, people, helping people make the most of their, their retirement and um, planning the cash flows, understanding the, the risk, risk associated with the portfolios, and um, talking about distribution strategies, tax saving strategies, maximizing pensions and Social Security. All those things are things that I look at all the time for folks. Um, so you could say I am a bit passionate about this particular subject. So I was thinking we could talk about, um, there's a neat little article that uh, I was reading before the show and taking a look at here um, by Steve Passion Hernan. burns within. That's right. It's the, uh, it's a recent article, um, actually from October 12th, um, the five biggest retirement planning mistakes. And I thought we could run through some of these and, you know, we could talk about them, see if we agree and then, and, and hopefully communicate a, a good message for our listeners today. All right. How does that sound? Uh, sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. And so if you're interested in reviewing the, the article directly, you can also find it on uh, CBS News Market Watch. Um, and again, it's called Five Biggest Retirement Planning Mistakes by Steve Vernon. And I thought it was, was pretty interesting. And you know what I mean, Vernon? Know what I mean, Vernon? <laughs> All right. Go ahead. That was a good one. It is a good one. Well, uh, I won't read through the whole article, but uh, the first mistake, basically, he he highlights, and I, I would tend to agree this is definitely a mistake. Um, the first mistake, running for shelter and moving all your stock investments into, quote-unquote, safe fixed investments. So I know we've talked about the volatility in the marketplace here recently, and given the market decline of last quarter and the somewhat of a recovery here this quarter, um, you might be tempted to make a change and sell stocks, basically, is what he's getting at, and then go ahead and buy fixed income. Well, let's pick up on that, Ethan, after we take a short breather. All right, that sounds you, good. You deserve it. We'll be right back. All right. The 
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment, and that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. (laughs) All right, welcome back. Empirical Investing Radio. We're still working out some of the kinks on this. Uh, live is definitely uh, a different animal. Yeah, live is a little different show with our man Simone over here. I used to love uh, the Don show. Yeah, I never, I never really watched it, but uh, it was good. Yeah, it was fine. You know. Well, anyway, Ethan, we were talking about um, the best way that, that uh, you can avoid making five mistakes here. This is your man, Steve. Vernon, but I think you would have come up with very similar, some similar ideas upon, uh, on your own here. Well, I certainly no, agree with the first one. No doubt about groundbreaking that. here, but uh, very fundamental principles to being successful. Let's finish number one, which was which yeah. was uh, running for the for the hills. I think. Yeah, running for shelter and moving all your stock investments into quote quote safe fixed investments, and then he goes on to say, even worse, you may decide to may decide to stop contributing to your four hundred one k. Telling yourself, hey, what's the use if my account's just plummeted? Why, why would I bother investing more? 
uh, I agree with his statement here. Those are, would both be bad moves. Um, you know, I'll read, read on here. Uh, a recent study showed the highest average account balances were earned by investors who stayed the course during the 2008-2009 downturn. That is, investors who maintained their equity allocation and continued contributing to the 401ks. And then, um, well, we'll talk a little bit more about the targeted date funds. But in general, I, I agree with that. Gee, and that's something we are, we're definitely advocates of. Once you have a diversified portfolio and once you have the allocation that's correct, given your, your willingness, ability, and so forth to take risk, it makes sense to stick with it and not sell after downturns occur because um, you're likely to, in my view, uh, take those what would be permanent or temporary losses and put them into the category of permanent losses uh, by doing that. And, and also compounding the idea of, hey, you're, you're still investing when markets downturn. You can still – you're buying things that when they're cheaper basically. Yeah, I think where um, – you know, if you took if you took an average we, – we did a study on um, – I guess you could call it market timing to some extent, but we call it kind of different rebalancing methods. Yeah. Um, if if you randomly pulled in and out of the stock market, it, it appears in the data that over a longer period of time, with the with compounding and the and the way it would all work out, on average you would get what your what your average exposure was to equities. Mm-hmm. You know, minus whatever transaction costs and taxes you had to incur to get in and out. Uh, not too far from what your average exposure was to equities over the time period is what, which I thought was very interesting. Um, yeah. You know, even if the market had started to decline from a peak, and I think we ran it something from like 15% down, you know, and then you, you pulled out, right? Because, but investors have had this uncanny, um, knack, I would call it, of pulling out at, at the very bottom you know, pull, investors pulling the most amount of money out at market bottoms um, after there's already been significant declines in the stock market, right? And loading money into equity investments at market peaks. Um, now that's a, a, a strategy that um, isn't going to work very good uh, in the long run. Sheep's to slaughter, you know what I mean? Right. You're going to get sheared. So. Um, a better approach it would be to just randomly pull in. Don't even read the headlines. If you're going to be a, a market timer, I would suggest um, you get a couple of your monkey friends, uh, go to the zoo or whatever, give them some darts, and have them <laughs> randomly do it. Because at least then you'll get the return that that winds up being the average exposure. But when we look at the studies um, out there, yeah, it, that's not what's happening. That's not what average investors do, and they wind up getting lower, uh, far returns. far worse returns. Yeah, right? that, that is the way it works, or has worked. Press on, mi amigo. Well, uh, to your point, Ken, and uh, the, uh, the author of this article goes on to say, um, yeah, basically try try your best to ignore the scary headlines and stick with the allocation among stocks and bonds that you have, and just make sure you you keep under your, keep your portfolio diversified. So that's the main point, I think, of, of, of the number one there. And maybe we can move on to number two. Let's well, take a look at that. Let's do it. Hey, and this is – hey, number two, I can't believe this. Starting Social Security benefits too early. Well, I, I think that generally is the case. A lot of folks 
Wow, you, that's something you've been really uh, <laughs> working on. Did it, he call you in advance of this? He didn't. This was actually written in October, so mm. we, we, haven't, we haven't talked about this. But I would say that definitely it is a mistake. People generally underestimate their, their life expectancies in, in general uh, as, as far as individuals go. But they're even they have a, more t- a higher tendency to um, underestimate the joy fly- life expectancy of, say, if you're married, for example. You know, I've said this last show, the the likelihood of maybe a little background myself or my spouse making it longer to live longer is is higher than either one, either of us individually. So that's basically what he says. Uh, mistake number two. Um, it says here, yeah, according to Social Security's annual statistical supplement for 2010, almost half of all Americans who retired in 2009 that's 47 percent started their Social Security income at 62, which is the earliest possible age. I find that shocking. That isn't. I mean, I guess it's possible that that many people need, needed that money at that time. But if you can, if you have the choice, uh, generally it's better to defer Social Security at least at least to full retirement age. But especially if you're married, make sure that whoever has the highest earning uh, earnings record, either you or your spouse, make sure that one's deferred as long as possible. That's the general the general rule there. So. I don't know. I find that sounds good. Very soothing. Yeah. And then it's important also to remember that there are a lot of different, well, not a lot. There's a couple different social security strategies for married couples uh, that are unique to married couples um, that need to be thoroughly examined so you can make the best possible decision with social security benefits. Um, You know, there's there's so many different combinations um, which we can take social security, especially when you're you're married. it's very difficult, in fact, to figure those out just on your own, or even talking with the Social Security Administration. You know, they don't—they don't generally give you the guidance that to help you make decisions as to, hey, what's the best way to take Social Security over my lifetime? They're more interested in helping you figure it out. Hey, what's the biggest payments right now? Which is, if you're, if you're in that situation, you want to talk about it with us on the show, maybe. Give us a call. Yeah, in fact, um, we should do. I'd be happy to run the analysis. We have a very. Um, he has the tools. A very sophisticated planner that helps us for our clients um, helps us figure out what's what's the best strategy for the, the, them specifically as to how to take Social Security. And know, Frank, I'd be happy to do that with somebody. I'll uh, do it right now from our, our radio audience if they have it, would like us to do that for them. I would do it completely free. Gratis, um, totally gratis. Uh, I think it'd be a very useful, a very useful thing for for anybody who's um, at that stage of their life where they want to make that need to make that decision. Sounds pretty good. So I kind of didn't follow the exact article there, but those are my points, and I think it's pretty. pretty oh, wait important. a minute. Uh, so we've gotten through two. That's two. Okay. Yeah. Proceed on. So let's go on number three here, and um, let's see here. Yeah, I find this is true as well. Uh, number three is drawing down retirement. So it says here, um, when many Americans retire, they start spending their money out of the 401ks and other accounts to meet their current needs, without understanding that these types or these savings needs uh, they need to last throughout retirement, and oftentimes that's 20 years or more. Um, one study done in 2009, uh, conducted by the so- Society of Actuaries, had 36% of retirees withdraw from their savings with no set plan, which I I find that a little bit shocking. That's not not good news. Um, and then twenty-four percent withdraw to pay for emergencies, and ten percent withdraw for major purchases. Um, boy, to have no set plan to draw money from your retirement account—that's um, a big risk, in my view. There's a lot of things you can go can do can go wrong. I, I was yeah. meeting with a person just the other day who was suggesting that, um, hey, I want to 
I own my I own my house. I have a small loan on that, and I have a couple of rental properties. But now I want to move and go to um, Eastern Washington, and um, I want to do that before I sell any of my current real estate. But the only assets this, this gentleman had was uh, were in his IRA account or his 401k. And if you wanted to spend you know 250 or 300 thousand dollars to buy a home and take it out of the 401k, in that particular year you're going to pay a lot of money in tax, right? This person was an individual filer. He'd immediately be in the top one of the top income brackets by taking that large of a distribution and not putting it back within 60 days. Um, so this is one of the one of the things that are, that go on in terms of, of planning. You need to not just plan to take the money out, but do it in a tax efficient way, so that you're not just wasting money in taxes that you don't you don't need to. So that's a very, very important part of, of retirement planning. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. Yeah, all right. Any other I like, comments? I like what you're saying, Ethan. Um, <laughs> I noticed on that number two, just to come back. Oh, go ahead. Quickly. Uh, he, made a, he makes a good point. Um, I thought it was pretty clever that he, he says, hey, look, um, rather than being all excited about taking out, because someone might say, well, I actually need the income. He's saying, hey, maybe you have to work 10 to 20 hours just for a few extra years. And uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, sometimes we, we want everything and we don't think of any option that would put us at any inconvenience, but sometimes it's better for our, our own self. You know, selfishly, we should be doing it that way, right. but we're not for our own selfish reasons, maybe, or just being short-sighted. So thinking about it in that term, I thought, hey, that's, that's a pretty good idea. You know, maybe you figure out how much you can make working part-time for a couple of years to, to fill that gap. Right. Rather than going from 40 to 50, in my case, 60 or 70 hours a week. Here. I work tirelessly for the for the people here. Easily, um, I demand excellence for myself. I I can't accept less from others. Um, that that's not a bad idea. And uh, number three, I know we, we're going to be heading into a break. I'll just wait for the tunes to come grooving up, and then. But um, I, I like what you're saying, and I think it's it's something I've been spending a lot of time on outside yeah. of the retirement program, the programs that we utilize and. Um, and making sure that we have a system for our clients so that really visualize how they're going to get their retirement income. And when we come back, maybe we can pick up on that and finish the last two. Giddy up. Sounds good. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P. I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, and we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. Your co-host uh, Ethan Broga, alongside uh, Fox across from Ken Smith as well. Um, before we get on with number mistake number four and five, Ken, I thought we'd give out our contact information one more time, and just remind listeners if you're interested in asking a question on the air, um, or you can send us an email too. Uh, feel free to do so. We would love to hear from you, and I, I really like this song. Get a hold of us. It's eight six six. Got a good beat. Four seven two. To it a lot. Go ahead. Five seven nine zero, or uh, contact at empiradio.com. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Giddy up. So, where were we? We're in number uh, number three or four. I think we're on number four now. The last right. last two. Drawing down retirement was uh, number three. People taking out too big of a, uh, a withdrawal rate, and I, I would just make one last comment on that. Because okay. uh, here he says 4% may be too high for today's retirees. That whole 4% thing, it all really depends on what you are trying to accomplish. And part of that might be how much of a legacy do I want to leave? Do I want to leave anything or do I want to draw this down to zero? Yeah. What's you know the time frame? And then what type of investments am I utilizing? Yeah. I mean, do you have uh, 100% of your money in, say, one stock? I don't know. Maybe it's... Coca-Cola or something. Well, tasty Coca-Cola. I mean, uh, maybe your withdrawal weight would be too high at 4% because you don't know. In fact, if it's any one co- company, I, I'd say it is probably too high because you don't know what that company is going to do. It's pretty risky. Yeah, that would be a good example. Um, I think what you'll see in these articles are probably more about traditional stock and bonds and the fact that we've had low returns previously, recently. Yeah. That Then they like to talk about how, well, now we're not going to have good returns again until we... So we have a, a series of good returns, and then that won't be talked about anymore. <laughs> right. And it should be the exact opposite. That's just the nature of yes. how we do things. But I think it's a situation where if you, you know, the the combination of equities and bonds and the types of all those is is the greater point that you're making, and that's yeah. it has a huge influence on how likely that is to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to be aware of it. And so any of these rule, rule of thumb kind of things are meaningless, in my view, if you don't have a comprehensive plan and you really understand how you're going to get the income for the period of time that you need it. Agreed. I, I, okay. All right. So number four you were talking about. Um, yeah. Think, right? Number four, according to the articles, uh, ignoring uh, This the- is your man Vernon, not your own list here so just keeping that in mind yeah i probably would have said uh taxes would have been my number four probably just maybe, I like minimizing taxes uh, in any way you can and that are you know in any one year it's, it's it's difficult to do that i think but over your lifetime there are several strategies that you can do to minimize taxes um, but that's my number four so let's talk about his burnout. number four is ignoring obesity right i noticed you've been putting on a couple of pounds yourself there little buddy wait i mean only a couple pounds <laughs> 
The Society of Actuaries recently reviewed almost 500 research papers that study the effect that obesity has on your health and life expectancy. Now, I would have never thought of this one in the financial context of the five uh, worst retire biggest retirement right. mistakes that people make. But let's just see what he let's see where he's going. We're all on a journey here, Ethan. It's an adventure. Agreed. They published the results of their review in the paper "Obesity and Its Relation to Mortality and Morbidity Cause." Uh, the report shows that two-thirds of Americans are considered overweight with a body mass index BMI of 25 or higher. One-third are considered obese with a BMI of 30 or higher. A number of studies estimated the average or median health care cost per person associated with these different BMI groups. So compared to the healthy BMI group, the overweight BMI group had a higher annual medical cost that ranged from a few hundred dollars to $2,000 per year. And there were similar increases when comparing the obese BMI group to the overweight BMI group. That's money that's flying right out of your pocket, Ethan. Even if you're covered by medical insurance, and he puts a uh, exclamation point on that. That's right. So that must be those costs are after accounting for being covered for medical insurance. Must be. And... uh I won't drag this out, but another eye-catcher in this thing is that the total annual economic cost of having citizens who are overweight and obese in the United States and Canada was approximately $300 billion in 2009. Wow. So That's pretty big. Um, I know it's an interesting point. Um, you pointed out something, though, that um, as it relates to number three, right, which is – Pulling out too much of your money too quickly because you outlive it. If you, if you, number four might be an offset for that, right? Because you probably uh, have a tendency to have heart disease or I see have saying. a heart attack or whatever. Right. And I would think that your life expectancy would be then be lower. Or staying healthy could extend that and also the need for the income. That makes good sense, Ken. He doesn't make that point. So, okay. Any other comments about that one, Ian? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there is an impact. Budget uh, another couple hundred bucks into your in your spending plan, and you don't have to worry about it. I guess. Yeah, I guess. So yeah, like hundred bucks a month. I mean, right, right. Yeah, I guess one thing that would be um, future would be that you know, gee, if you're if you are struggling with 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 weight, um, clearly those things over time lead to other issues like diabetes and so forth, and other right. other medical conditions that that's probably true do cost more in the future at some point in time too. So just obviously being healthier, healthier is better, um, although I know it can be difficult. So moving on, mistake number five, and you actually touched on this. Uh, I don't know if that was uh, on purpose or uh, to play the role of spoiler or is that just No, I haven't even read this Amazing. before. I like to come in fresh. I guess so. Anyway, mistake number five, according to Vernon, I, I, and I, I can't argue with this, uh, do, not doing any planning. Uh, so we probably should be number one. I mean, I'm not sure these are... are they're just, oh, they're just five they're not in order of significance. I don't know if they're yeah, okay. prioritized. All right. So I would agree. Maybe that one isn't uh, doesn't deserve to be number five, but that is the case. Uh, but basically here, according to the uh, 2011 Retirement Confidence Survey conducted by the Employee Benefits Research Institute, only 42% of Americans have actually calculated how much money they'll need to save for retirement. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. That's, that's an, e- an equal percentage of Americans simply guesses at this amount. And they usually guess, guess what? Too high or too low, you think? Uh, too low? Too low, according to the survey. That's oh, right. Oh, man. Uh, the unfortunate, inevitable result is that these people will exhaust their retirement savings 
while they're in their 70s and 80s, at which time they'll need to move in with the kids or live in a tent and eat noodles. Well, obviously, that's a pretty serious uh, subject. So I would agree, though. That, that's the you disagree with the noodle eating? Well, I mean, it's kind of a edgy. tongue-in-cheek kind of way of saying, yeah. saying that. It's a pretty serious thing, and boy, that would be. Can you imagine being 80 years old and I like noodles? Having gone through your your savings, only having Social Security, which you you took at at 62 because, you know, you're it'd be tough, you know. No, it it would really be tough, and uh, you know, when I was doing the CFP um, many years ago, now one of the modules was in the in the retirement planning, I believe, mm -hmm. and uh, it um, suggested that you go and and see. Um, various retirement homes and, and uh, kind of see what goes on for, with people that haven't done proper planning um, and how that lifestyle works out. Yes. So, right. Go ahead. Yeah, so as it goes on here, the, uh, the study also showed that people who, uh, who calculate how much savings they'll need are more confident about their ability to retire. So he suggests try calculating how much money you'll, you will really need to save, and then increase your savings accordingly, which is exactly what planning involves. If you're not in retirement, right, um, let's say you're 50 years old, 40 years old, let's say, and you know how much on an annual basis you would like to spend in today's dollars in the future, well, you can obviously build a plan that connects, the, that builds the, you know, bridges the gap there, and, and correspondingly how much you need to save now uh, as well. So that makes good sense, and I, I agree with that. And I think it's something that needs at least an annual update because of the fact that what, whatever it is what you're investing in, it tends to not be uh, a perfect linear rate of return. Yeah. And things may happen in your life that change what you what you need. So uh, it, it's just like any other plan or goal. You you can't just set the goal, spend a, an hour on it, and then assume that well. In 20 years, I'll just get there. Um, you really need to revisit it and right. say, "Hey, is what I'm doing working? Am I am I on the right traje trajectory uh -huh. to meet and obtain this goal? And should I adjust those goals over time?" Yeah, and I, my strategy. I, I agree with that. Yeah, you know, I hear that analogy. I used to hear um, of a plane going to its destination. How it kind of starts with the bigger picture of heading to Hawaii from Seattle, and then there's a lot of adjustment that's going on all the way to right. stay on course. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, got a, how much time we have here, Simon? A few seconds? Well, uh, I think it's that's about it for this show, Ethan. Next week, we'll try to have some new and exciting stuff to talk about. Yep. Until then, be good to yourselves. Have a great week. <laughs> Thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week.